Welcome to Humanity Shines with Shelly Nagel. This podcast features people from all walks of life, their ups and downs, and what inspires them. Today, we have Debbie DeLisi joining us from Los Angeles, California. She's an actor and casting director. Hi, Debbie. How are you? I am so happy to be with you today. This is great. Well, thank you for joining us. Of course. I want to just start out and ask you about your experience growing up in Wisconsin. Oh, my goodness. Okay, we're just going to start from the beginning. <laughs> well, you know, I was thinking about that. So I actually was born in Illinois. So I'm a Midwest oh. Yep. And, um, you know, it's funny because my dad, he, his... His education, he was an electrical engineer. Huh? And, you know, we were on a certain path. And then I remember him saying that he wanted to move us to Wisconsin. He wanted to go to God's country and sail. We're the key to the 80s. And, you know, we packed her up and, you know, we moved to Wisconsin. We moved uh, to a little town called uh, Elk Lake outside of Eau Claire. And then from there, we went to Lake Nebegaman, Wisconsin, which is not even a town, Shelley. It's a village. Oh, I grew up in an unincorporated village, yes, where there's no cops. There's a constable who can basically pull you over and yell at you, but not officially arrest you. Um, oh. <laughs> but but it was interesting because I thought about that. I thought that really, my dad's uh, sense of adventure, right? Giving up something like very, very stable, uh, you know, engineering to get into something totally different. And just this like insatiable curiosity probably had something to do with, I guess, my DNA and, and who I am. Because I remember as a kid, you know, then when I was eight, we lived in like three different places. And I, you know, didn't really, you know, I kind of had that wanderlust. But yet this, ins- like I said, kind of an insatiable curiosity. Yeah. So we went from like a city life to like this country life where we you know, my di- my mom didn't know what was growing out of my head. And it was like, a what? you know, or. Oh, wow. No, I mean, we were just really like fish out of water. And when we moved to northern Wisconsin, we had no relatives in the, the state. And like these three different families sort of adopted us. And we yeah. just kind of morphed into this really special, very rural, um, very special community. And then, yeah, I grew up on like 80 acres and the woods and the wildlife and um, a lot of amazing relationships. And yeah, just uh, a sense of adventure, I think, and curiosity. How was your experience going to like elementary school? And did you go to school there as well in that neighborhood? Yeah. Or yeah. That's, that's kind of an interesting question because when I started well, I moved when I was eight, like I said, like Illinois, this little area outside of Eau Claire and then northern Wisconsin. So when I started fourth grade, I was the third girl in oh. my class. Yeah. So these two gals and one, you know, one who was one of my best friends to this day. But, um, you know, so it was weird because I was like a girly girl and uh, I was the third girl in that class. So it was it was an interesting transition. And I always remember like. It's funny because with like acting and eventually casting, I was obsessed with people like back then, you know, my access to people were like my friends 
you know, so I was always starting these clubs and my Barbies, like <laughs> really, I know it was crazy. I was like a Barbie weirdo, but I always had an obsession with people. Yeah. And even like in my diaries, when I look back, like they're so intricate with relationships and stories and feelings and emotions. And, <sighs> and I guess it started then. It started then. And then, yeah, I was, I was really involved in school. I was, I was one of those like, you know, true to my school gals where I had like a million different activities and a million, yeah. um, uh interest yeah so it was very involved like when i remember when i left middle school i remember sobbing thinking life will never be as amazing and then high school you know life will never be as amazing and then actually i had a, a very interesting experience my senior year in high school yeah. i got ferocious ski accident and i oh. back, had a compressional fracture and i had to learn how to walk sit stand go to the bathroom everything all over again and it oh. really changed the course of like my inside rearranging because I think it was interesting because in middle school and high school like I always wanted to be the actress but I wasn't I I was you know the cheerleader and and I did other things and it's funny because I recently had a, a talk with the drama teacher who was one of my favorite teachers Mrs. Lustry and I said, oh my gosh, like how, how I had regretted, you know, making that decision from, you know, going to the contest play and like doing like the acting route to, I was, you know, cheerleading captain and I made that decision and they've always said, oh my gosh, all your decisions like made you who you are now. Yeah. You know, but yeah. I remember thinking, oh my God, like, this is such a big decision. And then through high school, I was obsessed with medicine, Shelly. Oh, I, I never knew that. Isn't that crazy? And I would have made it through med school. Let's be real. There's no way. But I had gotten the bio, the biology scholarship. And wow. Yeah, I thought I was fascinated with medicine. And but it was interesting because the ski accident made me kind of rethink everything. And then I wound up um, going to St. Scholastica in Duluth, my two best friends. We're going there. And yeah. And I wasn't really satisfied. Like I kept changing my major. So mm -hmm. I graduated with a degree in communications and a triple emphasis in advertising, marketing, public relations. I'm like, oh, wow. Management and my psychology because I kept changing my major. Uh, yeah. And then dovetailing my senior year in high school, my senior year in college, I, I studied overseas. I skied the Austrian Alps to make my peace with the mountain and God and this horrible accident that happened four years earlier. And I was away from the United States, from my job, my, my life. And I really thought about it and I thought, God, I'm going to come home and graduate with a degree, a very expensive degree that I don't really not really locked into like at the time all that would have probably led to a career in advertising yeah and I got I'm just not feeling it <laughs> so I, it was funny I came home on a Thursday yeah graduated on Saturday I sat my parents down I said you know thank you for this education yeah I will uh you know I will walk <laughs> I will walk in graduation I'll 
get my di- diploma, but I'm not going to do anything with it. And I want to be an actor. And they were like, okay. <laughs> and everyone laughed because they remember the dramatic conversation. I would like, you know, have private conversations with people. And a lot of people remember it and think, okay, well, maybe she'll do this on the side or whatever. And, you know, okay, race us with your presence. So get your degree. <laughs> But that's sort of what I did. And then it started with, um, you know, auditioning for a play in Duluth, you know, at the Duluth. Yeah. And then that led to professional theater, renegade comedy theater. And then that led to hospitals. And so I kind of maxed out in Duluth and then went to Minneapolis. And yeah. And a little stint in California and then eventually to New York. And um, where I went to William Esper and acting conservatory. So once I said it and once I was honest with myself, Yes. And had that spiritual experience, I would Yeah. Then it just all fell into place where my support jobs dwindled and I was able to be an artist at also casting. And I still hustle. I mean, until this day, I consider myself a gardener. Like, I hustle, I hustle, I hustle. I have a very dynamic life. Yeah. So, you know, I, I hustle to do work that inspires me yeah one for the meal or one for the real and um and that's sort of that part in a nutshell well I'm curious about some of the first films that you worked on oh okay well yeah I mean okay so here's what happened too so I knew I wanted to be an actor but I found that casting was the most priceless opportunity as an actor because it's different when you take a class or even if you're a working actor to really know what goes on inside a a casting session. Yeah. It is so priceless. And so, you know, it started um, like there was a film in Duluth called Iron Will, you know, and so I had kind of met the casting, the local casting director, Ricky McManus and and started to like see the other side and then what happened um then what happened is well I actually had lo- I, I was in California and I, I came back home for something and I'd heard that there was this film in Minnesota Fargo Fargo oh. Oh. No, time before Fargo was released you know the Coen brothers weren't as popular as they were till after the film. I mean, there was definitely a cult following, but not quite what they were today. And I heard that one of the Janes was doing the local casting. Okay. There were three Jane uh-huh. casting world, Jane Brody, Jane Alderman, Jane, Her- Jane Hershens. And I would have killed to do anything. I would have killed to do anything in the room. It wasn't about the Coen brothers. It was really about Jane Brody. I heard she was going to be in Minneapolis. Yeah local casting this movie and I thought oh my god I will do anything to get close to Jane yeah showed up to intern and really that was it for me and I remember Shelly it was like you know how people like some people like you think of them like little animals like Jane and she's one of my greatest life mentors so I can say this out loud but you know like those little dogs that are kind of scary and they bark and, and yeah you want- at them and be close to them but they bark and you're afraid they might bite you like yeah. shade and so we were in this gym and all of us like interns like oh, we want to get into film you know whether we wanted to get into the cat the, as an actor or crew yeah 
who doesn't care if you get yelled at today? And me and this one, one girl like rose our hands like, get yelled. So what are we doing? So it was the two of us then that kind of were the people that were leading the kids to Joel and Ethan during this big open call, which is so ironic because now the last film that I did was an, e an Ethan Cohen film and, and Trisha Cook um, called Drive Away Dolls. And I am doing so good that position. So I did the locations casting in Pittsburgh. That's uh, amazing. Pennsylvania. So I am now doing what Jane did years ago. Ah, oh, that's incredible. So that so that that just like opened the doors. And then the and then and then I really went flying because I would work in casting departments again, starting as an intern and then yeah. work way up. Which, you know, is the catch twenty two as an actor. Some people say, Oh, you know. Now I think so many artists are multi hyphenates that who really cares? Like, I, yeah. I don't think it's hurt me, you know, because a lot of people would say, well, and I have talent. I have actor friends. You know, it, I guess it is a catch-22, but, you know, they'll say, well, I don't know if I want to do sex. I don't want that director to see me. Yes, I'm like, dude, he really doesn't know you. And in the first place, remember yeah. you if I put you in front of him and say, Hey, remember that kid in the office? You know, he's also an actor, he's really great. And you might look at you instead of 300, you know, that. right? So for me, it, it, it worked out in the sense where I would meet different directors or producers or casting directors, and I just kind of did both, and I still do both, and I love it because it to me, it really scratches the itch of being an artist yes. and my, like I said earlier, my insatiable curiosity about people. Like I love casting. I love embedding into a community, if you will. And yes, finding that gem or, uh, or reintroducing a gem that maybe we haven't heard of in a while that deserves that second chance or deserves a spotlight again or whatever. Like I love to be that person that put that either undiscovered gem or a gem, a treasure that, that deserves to be seen. That may not, not that might be overlooked or whatever. Yeah. In front of someone that can, um, take them to the next level, you know? And so, so it's, it's a hell of a ride. Like I, I really love obviously cause I get really jacked about it. Like I love, I love, I love what I, I do. And you're good at it. You're good at all that you do. So. You know, I mean, I don't know. I, I guess that's subjective cause you know, you, you put all of us together judging art, right? And we're yeah. in that one degree, like you and I might agree on the same movie and not the same TV show or the same novel or yeah. painting or the same song. Like art is subjective. I do feel like I go above and beyond because I really mm -hmm. like it. Yeah. I love it. I'm digging and digging and digging until it's, until, you know, my fingers fall off. You know, I just love, love that. And sometimes you know, I mean, sometimes it can be, it can feel like it's, you know, never enough. Mm -hmm. uh, but that's probably why, I mean, 
meant for it because I I also love just continuing to go, you know, and um, finding new discoveries. But yeah, I feel like I feel like a lot of it in our business is saying yes. Mm-hmm. It's saying yes, um, and really opening ourselves not just to like the work yeah also life mm-hmm. you know what I mean like I yeah. having a rich life my cousin uh, Paula Pell she's someone I she's our cousin yes oh, I didn't know that you knew that yes she's my cousin and one of my favorite people on the planet oh but um you know she always she would always say that too it's just like you know really have an interesting life. And I find a lot of my my mentors, like we'll talk shop for a little bit, but mostly like they're so intrigued with, you know, my my crazy dad or our crazy gardens in Wisconsin and our interesting experiences. Like a lot of us are just so interested in the human condition. Right. The deal. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But substance versus. Yeah. Yeah. Just like the deal. Like, yeah, we'll, we'll get through those conversations but mostly like we're obsessed with the human condition which is so to me so intricate and it makes me cry because I think it's so layered and you know we forget like we forget how our human condition really rules the world like Mm -hmm. this crazy thing that I've heard people say and it makes me really sad like people maybe that have done act and are getting out well I want to do something, you know, more meaningful, like as if it's superficial. And I want to say, talking about like, think of the pandemic, think of like our, our darkest hours. Like mm-hmm. I find freaking CDs, a song, shows are like, will get me through mm-hmm. the dark. my connection with people. It is a we world. It's a we world. It's not a me world. And I feel like the expression of art and, um, how we consume it and how it yeah. inspires us and and gets us going. I mean, a song can be in my head and I can be like, you know, karate chopping barriers. Like, I just feel like it's such a it's such a unique position. And yet, Shelly, let's be honest, like we can do all the things, right? Like we yeah. can do all the things suggested to us as an artist and that seem to be required. And we still may never break threshold of uh you know earning an income that is sustainable like right so subjective so i feel like if it's like a rock in your shoe and you have to do it yes right it's not just a blessing but it's also a curse right Uh, 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 it's a drive that yeah it's it's like i got you i know i'm gonna lose money on this one but i have to tell this story like yes then do it. And I even think that people that think they're not artists, like we're all artists in certain ways, whether a mom organizing her kid's birthday or a dad in the yard or a, a person in their apartment. Like, I think we're all inner artists. And this weird thing that seems to have permeated here and there, a little superficial. I think that's just bull. You know? Yeah. It's so important because it really boils down to the human condition yeah that experience that is unlike anything else my experience with you today will be unlike our experience with the next person and i i just think it's beautiful and 
it's so simple and it's so beautiful and profound. Wow. And so a lot. I love, I love this. I love it. This is very insightful and inspiring. Oh, well, I'm going off. I mean, yes. No, I love all of this. I'm curious too, like for just, you know, any listeners, like you are also known for doing search casting. Can you explain what that is for somebody who might be curious about how you do that? Yeah, no, I appreciate you asking because it's it's super interesting. So we we sort of have a niche, my husband and I, and it's not, you know, publicized everywhere. It's, it's, uh, but, uh, you know, the, the people that need it know where to find us, so to speak. So basically search casting is when there is a specific role that might be hard to cast or a population maybe that has been untapped, mm-hmm. or let's say a director isn't 100% sure wants to keep going. Sometimes it's turning over a bunch of rocks and they'll go back to their initial choice. Mm-hmm. But it's that feeling, think of it like this, like think of it like dating in a sense or like yeah. your mate. Most of us don't have like thousands of mates, right? You know, like, <laughs> you had to turn over rocks to find that one or those few or whatever. Yeah. Your very best friends, right? Like, right. Very similar. So you can bet, you can bet on it if there is a special part or role that, that needs to be cast, you can bet that we're probably going to be called about it. So some, yeah, fast and furious where it's like, hey, you know, we had like four weeks to, to to find this part or how long will it take you to, to find this person? And then we really embed in a very sincere way in that community. Mm-hmm. And again, <laughs> you know, we're to the point of, of probably not good for us. Um, yeah. But uh, then we will uncover those rocks. So we will search. So so then there will be like an overall casting director who is not, not us, but we will come on and be like the specialized, like we are the artisanal specialized, like, mm-hmm. you know, in surgery, like we're that specialized one who will go in there and clean house. Yeah. And you also found the actor for Captain Phillips, correct? Who was nominated for an Oscar? With our cod. And so, yes. Yeah, so again, that was a group effort because we yeah. have casting directors, but um, the overall Crancy Maisler, of course, you know, is the 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 overall casting director of that project. But how that started, um, you know, I what was I doing? I was doing something on the Sony lot. Oh, we were doing a search for Little House on the Prairie. It didn't get made, but we were doing search for Laura. And somehow I got connected with the producer and you know, they were talking about this Captain Phillips. It wasn't called that at the time. Um, it was called something else. And, you know, the goal was to cast Somali people in these roles. And so I had met on the lot on Sony. And it was funny because we were Googling, like, where are the Somali populations? And outside of Somalia, Minneapolis, yeah, as you know, is yeah. the biggest population outside of Somalia. And I tried playing it cool, like, hey, go to Minneapolis. And Zaida was like, once, because it's like a second home for me. Yeah. Oh, I see start in so many ways that I uh, met the Jane and everything began a lot of my my start really really began there at film but I digress so 
So at the time, there really weren't any Somali actors, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So I went there with a team, and it was very grassroots, Shelley. And I think that's the most important thing is, like, I, you know, I'm into technology and blah, blah, blah. But I'm grassroots, old-fashioned. I would rather sit and break bread with you. Yes. Some sort of weird internet thing. And so we would fly our cars. We would eat a lot of Somali soup. That's and amazing. We- so we just started meeting, you know, and really integrating with the Somali population and something really sacred to me because it's very, very, very special. Um, you know, and I've been to two different countries in Africa and I love that population like in the core of my being. Mm-hmm. And so so we just really, really, and it, originally it was different. It was, we were looking for women, children, men. Mm-hmm. It was just the, the the men. It was a slightly different uh, search and story. And we had this casting call in Minnesota and Minneapolis. And we had 900 people show up. Oh, wow. 900. And so we had to switch gears how we were going to handle this. And again, at the time, there were also women and children. It was mayhem. And then organizing it all. And then that evening... After meeting 900 people, we would go through our yes, no's, maybe's while we uploaded the tape to Francine's office and their team went through the yes, no's, and maybe's. And then we yeah. find our yeses and maybe's, most of which were similar. Yeah. They started the callbacks. But what goes on behind the scenes, which a lot of times even the directors, producers, overall casting directors don't see, is our grassroots work where we're, you know, off the clock but on the clock with, mm-hmm. you know, having certain communities trust us. Uh-huh. Adding certain communities, you know, does that mean, you know, renting places, you know, just to have private moments or, you know, doing things within the community? Like, it's so much work. And I remember also we would, um, for some of the callbacks, and, and we went to other areas too, by the way, until we kind of narrowed it down. But mm-hmm. I remember renting lights because I felt like once some of these people would get to the callback section, they would be way too over the top. And I needed them to be themselves under like hot light. Uh-huh. And my husband, who wasn't really part of it, but we always say he was like, uh, you know, one of the, I don't know, he was morphed in with us. Yeah. He would help me. And other people would help me in the room working with them. Like, so, you know, for every hour that mm-hmm. the office would see in L.A., we would maybe spend 12 hours. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. To, yeah, working with people and making them feel comfortable. And that's why you guys are extraordinary, because a lot of oh. people will just the way that you treat people with respect and really understanding where they're coming from. And that's a gift because that really lets people shine and let them be who they are, especially if they don't have acting experience and walking into this world. So I commend you guys for being able to do that and, and have the respect to do that for other humans. Oh, well, it's, it's from the heart for sure, because we, we, we wind up getting very close to, Mm -hmm the people that we work with, whether they get cast or not. I mean, and yeah. there, there were two gentlemen that didn't get cast that we are still friends with to this day. Um, very, very special 
special souls and and one we just have to actually open it. Okay, here's a cad thing story for you. Yes. Okay, this is a good one. So in that Captain Phillips, which wasn't called that at the time, but remember I said there were women and children. There was this one woman who I remember her audition crying. It was so beautiful. She was doing this thing where she was singing in Somali and she was doing and I and I had sent her photo to my upline in LA, like, oh my God, yeah, like, you know. And well, again, there wound up not being a part for that, but this woman really, really, really just astounded me. And I have the email chain about it. And I remember calling her my first Somali girlfriend, you know, and yeah, just this intriguing soul of a, of a person. How crazy is this? How many years later? I have to look at how many years. I think like 12 years later, something. We did another search for a TV show. And she came with her daughter. So when I met her, she was not married. Didn't have help. And then she came with her daughter. And it wound up in this TV series, which is soon to be released. Um, That's incredible. That the producers and the writers loved her daughter so much. Instead of one role, they made it two roles, two sisters, and it was her daughter. And we were dying because we would just held each other like, oh, my gosh, like we had this bond then. We never really forgot about each other. And then to be able to cast her daughter. Yeah, so cool. Yeah. And that, you know, this total other project where we're like, oh, my gosh, these girls are so special. And. Over the weekend, the writers really changed the script to be to be two girls, sisters instead of the one. And it was this, and I and I pulled up the initial emails, and it was just this so beautiful. It makes me cry. We'll have to do a story on that because that was really very special. So a lot of times, you know, as actors, it was you know people forget about like you don't know the impression you make on someone. Mm-hmm. And if it's ever like, you know, we're so sensitive and delicate as our mm-hmm. human. You don't know. You just don't know. Mm-hmm. Like if other people, especially in a position like I have, how you've affected someone else. Mm-hmm. It's not really our business. But oftentimes we're so mean to ourselves. Like why? Yeah. Ourself, you know. I did this wrong. I didn't do this right. It was not enough. And then you just really don't know. Just- yeah. We just tend to assume, oh, I wasn't great. I, you know, and oh. and then suddenly it's not right for something, but you might have been compelling in a, in a different sense where someone's like, you know what? I want to use them for this project. And it might not even show up until 10 years later, you know, like your 12 years, like you were saying. Yeah. Yes. Oh my gosh. Who knew? And then, you know, you know, we got real close with, the the gentlemen that were eventually cast the 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 four actors and on a personal level too again you know some of the studios and the powers that be just oh they had an open call no you know we embedded for a long time more than we were ever paid or on mm-hmm. to really uh be united with with people and then 
and we have different relationships with all of them. And so it was it was a weird uh, it was just an ex- out of body experience because then Lynn Barkad got so much um, press, you know, and he asked me to go the Golden Globes. That was his first real red carpet and mine. We didn't know we missed dinner. Like, we didn't know what we were doing. But it was so special to be able to to do that. And um, that's incredible. Yeah. And then all of them are so special, like in in such unique ways. And that, you know, that's just one story. But it's it really is from the heart because I I, I've lost sleep. I've you know, I feel like I went blind for what I do. Then trade it because I love it. Oh, you're an incredibly hard worker. Like, I, yeah. I would love also to hear about some of your times, like some of your movie roles. I know that you're in Uncut Gems and there's been some other films. And just what were those experiences like for you? Oh, well, let's see. Um, Uncut Gems, that was a dream come true because we had been working on um, Escape at Danamora. I love that show. Oh. That was incredible, by the way. Oh, good. I love that show. I wish, and I love, I'm a huge fan of Patricia Arquette. So, oh my gosh, she is the bomb of the bomb. She's one of the most exquisite humans ever. And she is, you know, I mean, sometimes women's inhumanity to, to women is just disgusting. And she is the opposite of that. I mean, she is just incredible. Oh. Yeah, and I had a little cameo in that actually in the beginning when they talk about the blonde. Yeah, you have to rewatch it if you I miss that. Why? Out me, and then she talks about me. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm gonna rewatch that. I love, I love that show. So that was great for me as an actor because uh, that really was part of the transcripts because in real life, Tilly tried pawning this off on this moment and anyway that was me so you see me in the beginning and then you hear her talking about me yeah so yeah cool. i'm gonna have to rewatch that that I, i'll yeah i'll let you know if you, if you if you pause and you miss it but yeah so we were working on that um in the casting world and then later i had gotten that that role which was incredible but and that was the thing where my original deal memo said I'd be in New York for five days. I was in New York for almost a year on that project. But I, I love working with Ben Stiller. He yeah. just a god to me. And I, I he attracts department heads that are equally nutty like myself. <laughs> but what we do is so you get us all together and it's just this dynamite. It's the best, you know, sandbox to play in the playground with for sure. But Nonetheless, so we were told to watch this movie called Good Time by, you know, the Sapsi brothers. And the last thing you want to do working a 12-hour day is go watch a movie. Yeah. They, like, we're like, oh, my God, we're so tired because there was apparently, like, a jail or a prison scene. So, you know, we were supposed to watch this movie, and, oh, my goodness, we did. And it just was incredible. And I remember falling in love with the Sapsi brothers and thinking, oh, my God, like, these guys are our geniuses and again yeah fellow filmmakers who you just would kill to work with and so intense and so it was it was really fun getting a role in uncut gems and you know the funny thing is 
you know how everything gets edited, right? It was, edited, you know, to be a certain part, but that, that shot for like two days and, and just to be in the cast. Oh, it's incredible. Yeah. In their sandbox. Oh my gosh. And it was just such a, a dream. Like I remember in the hotel, cause we were shot and we were shooting in Mohegan Sun and I was having this like heartfelt like actress conversation with Wayne Diamond who is a trip I mean that guy oh my god there is no other Wayne Diamond let's face it and we were having this like really intense talk and we were like cheering up and we're like holding like and he is so silly and irreverent and fun and I'm probably skew that way too but we were just having this time and I think it was Josh who walked by just kind of like beamed and like shook his head like because you know, they really create this world and even the world outside of the world were still and it was just this these moments. And to have that experience, like I didn't want it to end. And Julia Fox is Oh, I love her. She's the amazing. Yeah, I love her. I mean, please. And it was it really was a dream come true. And again, that role shot for two days. And it was, it was out of body, otherworldly. And it is, and you know, you ride the wave and then the wave is over and you're like, I want to get back on that wave. But um, yeah, it was a dream. And they are just such incredible creators. And they, they're also purveyors of people in, in the sense where it's not just a role or a name or a body. I mean, they truly care about the people they cast the roles they create it's so intense yeah and and i would just say otherworldly and that's amazing isn't it oh my God. it was just a dream it was a dream come true and it was very funny because a lot of people you know saw that and then of course you know i would get blown up um which was so great because it was such a surprise yeah people vote but yeah i would just say a dream come true the in that josh and benny safty julia fox wayne diamonds the 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 whole gang it's just yeah oh that's that's incredible oh my gosh there's another just bona fide extraordinary artist it it's just wow yeah that was probably my fave that was my fave one of my faves. Yeah. Well, can you tell me about another film that you liked working on? <laughs> no. So this wasn't a film, but a TV show a while back, but it was still so special that I must mention it. So HBO is the Vagina Monologue. Oh. Yeah. My mom and I talk about our boo-haws on national TV. <laughs> I didn't know about that. Yeah. So, I mean, to me... <laughs> and it was so funny because I had about it and I was in New York Shelly and I read this thing in the New York Times where they HBO was looking for like um older women like grandmas yeah and I remember thinking you know it's a vagina mouse I knew it wasn't porn I knew it wasn't like I had heard about this it was intriguing and I thought oh my gosh my mom so I sent I mean this is like way before the internet was like the main thing right so like yeah I, and, you know, envelope full of pictures of my mom who lived in Wisconsin. Like, my mom would be perfect to talk about her vagina. And sure enough, you know, 
they loved my mom and and me. It's so funny, like what I didn't know then, I'm glad I didn't. It's also how I probably got into Esper, where I was like, "You're if you want my mom, you got to take me. I mean, maybe now if I thought about it, I wouldn't be so ballsy. But then it was like, okay, you want her, you got to have me. So, you know, she gets on a plane. She gets to New York. We get into a cab. Get a flat tire. That's never happened to me, right? We have to go 10 blocks to where they were taping. She's a little uneasy. Get into another cab. Get into a cab accident. I am holding my nose bleeding. I'm holding my nose like salsa sauce. And my mom, she's like, what are we doing? You've talked me into flying to New York. You, I'm supposed to talk about my, my vagina on HBO and, and what the hell? And I like holding my nose. So we get there and we're supposed to be taped um, for like, you know, 15 minutes, whatever. They tape us for almost two hours. Oh. Yeah. And it was, Shelly, it was the most hysterical laughing, <laughs> the most profound soul sharing where you could have heard a pin drop. I remember after we talked about something really intense, it was so quiet. And all of a sudden, like, one crew, I think a male crew, like, started clapping. And, they all... <laughs> and it wasn't like the performative. It was just like, we got you, you know? Be yeah. Testing through an Evensler who is now uh, goes by V. And I say, I'm a V, because to me, she is a mother. Um, basically, you know, to make a long story short, she uh, is woman back in the day. I talked disparagingly about I think menopause and she started interviewing women and you know wrote the vagina monologues thinking you know she would do these vagina interviews thinking sex orgasm all these yeah she would hear all these terrible you know these traumatic stories and her producers you know she got really depressed and turned it into something positive so she made this organization called V-Day oh aims to end violence against women and girls and so amazing it's an incredible international organization, and I've done several V-Day performances, several plays. Oh. But the beginning of it was this HBO project where, you know, we're part of the OGs, part of the original gangsters. Um, so cool. Creating how she would get the stories. And we were the only mother-daughter team. And now my mom is, you know, we, we lost her. Sorry. Oh, thank you. And so just to with her and that experience yes like that's an yeah. incredible memory to have imprinted like yes. and to just yeah like it was such a phenomenal experience yeah it was again a priceless priceless experience and it was interesting during the um premiere the editor Paula had to find us and she said it was so hard apparently to edit all of our things since we had such a I don't know I don't know what it was but I really say that was V you know mm -hmm. that Ben who brought this out and to me that was one of the best things that I'll ever do and yeah. never be duplicated and uh to sit with my mom and and at the time, HBO, that was very racy. I mean, now we see everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there are a lot of sex in HBO now. Yeah. But at the time, I was like, whoa, HBO, vagina. I mean, it was like radical. Yeah. And it was really beautiful because it was, 
I just think like Chris Durang would say like laughing wild amid severest of well, right? Like there is so much pain. This world is not fair. There's nothing. There's so much pain. But if if we cannot find the funny, mm-hmm. find the gold, man, we'd all be, you know, yeah. like it. it's just like, you know, there are so many miracles in this world and in life. We just have to, I guess, take the actions or inactions to, to find them and to plug into that gold. So that that's an older project of mine, but it was, oh my goodness, such a such an incredible experience. Oh, that's incredible. Do you have any projects that you have coming out in the future that you want to talk about? If you that's that, a good question. Well, um, we have a series. Yes. That we uh, have been working on and uh, a really great um, pitch right before the pandemic and it went really well and it uh, when it when it takes off Shelly will have to come back and yep. talk all about it and so it's really a special project and it it involves all of us and I can't get into the full details yes it is such a labor of love and it's 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 going to be it is amazing and we had a lot of momentum right before the pandemic and we're finding our footing again and um and it's it's a series and it is very special Ooh, yeah i'm excited for that i want to also ask you just as an artist and then also as a person like what inspires you to create art i know you've touched a little bit on this um and then just any like hobbies and things that you that are inspiring everyday life that kind of entwines to your artistry? Mm, these are good questions. Like I really feel like kind of to 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 bring it back to what I had said before about a full life. Uh-huh. I do feel relationships are a big part of it because I do be part of the world, right? Like where you know my nieces and all their friends my you know like we always joke that there was a mix-up in the hospital because I looked nothing like my family and if that was the case I I, I still find these people because they're so incredible like my relationships which I feel relationships are like garden and again I'm master gardener I say that's one of my first professions um <laughs> I love plants I love nature um i feel like we have to cultivate our relationships right like gardens like sometimes you're working really hard and that's really frustrating sometimes you can let it go mm-hmm. and it's gonna keep flourishing sometimes oh it gets really painful and you have to weed whack and get rid of dead things and sometimes you're you know planting new things but i think time takes time relationships take cultivation and mm-hmm. i'm inspired by people yeah. It's it's like an obsession for sure. <laughs> and so I feel like the relationships, whether I'm watering that relationship or I know it's there or I'm in it and I'm dirty or I am just amid the blossoms. Yeah. Relationships really inspire me. A thousand percent. Yeah. And it could be, could be like, it could be someone that I'm not necessarily close with. 
but their inspiring art could be someone, you know, that I'm incredibly close with and my heart is broken and then repaired and then inspired. And I just think um, cultivating our relationships and interests and an insatiable curiosity for life. And, you know, I always think like, I always have this thing with doing, but sometimes it's in the not doing and the resting and the re mm -hmm. and the spiritual replenishing mm -hmm. that will um, reinforce an idea or an inspiration. Um, yes, it does. Like, yes, it does. Sometimes when we're resting and just not forcing, things come organically. Yes, yes. So I feel like... Um, Probably that relationships with people are my biggest drug and my my most profound inspiration. Yes. And I know that you and your husband are a very lovely couple. Oh, <laughs> yeah. That took a while. So, you know what? If anybody out there, you know, it time takes time, like I said. And uh, mm -hmm. that, again, is a cultivated. Yes, we've been... A, together for a long time but ups and downs and hit and miss and mm -hmm. and it's um and it takes a lot of watering the garden but mm -hmm. you know I I because I remember there was a point when I really felt like and I have a strong spirituality where I felt like oh my goodness like I not going to know that kind of love in this lifetime. And I'm okay with it. Sometimes we say that, but we're secretly looking or hoping. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, okay, in this lifetime, I will just be, I will adopt a bunch of kids with my yeah. sister, be like lesbian lovers without the sex. Like this will be my path and I will be okay. And then, and then I found my partner, which holy crap, it's a lot of work. And, and I've had phenomenal love stories and it's a lot of, relationships are a lot of work yeah they really are but holy you know you gotta chill that soil and get to the good stuff yeah and you guys adopted a daughter together yes and that that to me Shelly was like and not a second option like as a kid uh-huh there were always the adopted kids like I obsessed with that long before we ever tried I want to adopt eventually too so yeah yeah so I oh, totally will sidebar that because I I have lots of info for you that yeah. yeah that was my calling long before we ever tried even which is crazy because we were in a committed relationship and we would not try mm -hmm. pregnant but uh, but we would be pursuing adoption it was very strange and um, in New York, I had heard about this thing called extreme adoption. It sounded like extreme sports. And I was always interested in the older kids. Mm -hmm. Once they age out of foster care, often like what happens to those kids without family? And oh, my gosh, we've been through the world. Like we, we almost adopted a little boy from Africa. We had a little baby for a while. We went through IVF and a little embryos that didn't want to stay i mean we've been through everything with yeah and you know as fate would have it we got or we got connected with an organization called kids save okay which is amazing kids save kids save so it's eight age eight to 18 uh-huh who you know that's an age where it's not typically adoptable and so we start volunteering and as many years you know 
that I've been with Adam, we say our first experience with kids day was the best day of our life. And I had dreams come in my career with this and that and this and that in life. But this honestly, we can say was on the best days of our life because it opened us up to this population that we were not 100% familiar with. Yeah. These very vulnerable, special souls who are in that stage who once, you know, and so we had met our now daughter and um, as like a mentor, we were kind of mentoring her and it turned out that she was in a match with someone else and it was like hearing the love of your life is marrying someone else and then we were like, oh my God, like we love this girl, but we're not saying we're right, but what, you know? Yeah. Eventually it, it worked and the, it didn't become legal till she was 21, but you know, it's never too late and that's a popular that I feel very strongly about like I'm thrilled that we as a society are into fostering animals and saving animals yes. I also think I wish to <laughs> the same attention would be to people yeah I'll actually uh a percent a high percentage of people that are homeless in LA were in the foster care system you know because once they foster out they never had parents to begin with and then it's just hard being 18 years old on your own so I can't even imagine what that would be like, you know, because you have holidays and Christmases and where do you go, you know? Uh, it's a wee world. I mean, it's, this world is not there and it can be very dark and it's yeah very difficult to do it alone. And so, yeah, that's another passion of ours. But, um, you know, we have a great administration of family and friends and, and surrogate family and it just uh, makes for a really colorful, very full life. That's incredible. Say, like, I would, my message for artists. Yes. Like, whether you, you know, whether it's acting, writing, whatever, like, if it is like a rock in your shoe, you must create. Yes. You must create because I believe if we don't do that, it can cause sickness. I believe that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What if the price peace, right? Like we can identify with physical sickness. What about spiritual sickness? What about the and the diseases that we get that we really don't know how we get them, but we get them. Mm -hmm. That creation is so beautiful. And some of us have to do it. We have. Yes. Like that rock and should we must do it. And even if we don't think we're an artist, everyone creates. Yes. Earlier, whether it be your plants, decorating a cake, organizing a, a, an event, you know, the creative energy is a must. And that connection with our fellow humans, if we, if we, look at the entire world like our feelings are always similar like we have different beliefs but our feelings mm -hmm. are very similar and so we are connected so deeply yeah and i feel like if we honor that it would change and shift our world oh that's beautiful Debbie, thank you so much for coming on today and sharing. And I found this to be very inspiring to talk to you. I feel very 
uplifted. So thank you so much. And you are incredible. Shelly, the work you're doing is amazing. And I said this in the beginning, and I don't know if it got on in the beginning, but I will say this. We're so grateful for you with your humanity shines. I'm a